Hey everyone, uh, welcome. So glad that you're uh, joining us for worship today. We're starting a new series entitled Camouflage. We're gonna be doing this for four weeks and this is one of the most important series and timely series I've done in a while. And it has to deal with the, the enemies of our soul. We're looking at uh, helping us to see those things that are in front of us that oftentimes are camouflaged. Uh, the enemy tries to camouflage himself so that we aren't even aware that he's there. And we all know what camouflage is, you know, especially you hunters out there. But camouflage is, is designed to help you blend into your surrounding and there's, so that people don't know you're there. Camouflage, it, it tricks our eyes and uh, it can deceive us in wrong thinking as well. There's all types of camouflage out there. There's uh, disguise. We understand what a disguise is. Think about a, you know, a, an insect, a walking stick insect that disguises itself as a branch. And there's also a mimicry where a, a harmless animal will, will look like a, a dangerous am, animal. Uh, think of a, a king snake versus a coral snake. And then there are many animals have a conceiving, concealing colors like a, a lion in the bush. And then there are animals as well that have disruptive colors. And, and think about zebras that, that are together so that the prey have a hard time distinguishing one animal from another. And that's the way it is with our enemy. The enemy uses camouflage to deceive us, to trick us, to help us, uh, to design to, for us to swallow lies and to live lies. Tricks to deceive our mind and our heart. And here's what I believe. When it comes to our life as a, a Christian, we're at war. The enemy is waging war against us. And there is this war that is waging around and many times we're oblivious to that war. We have been in effect deceived. Just spend an hour watching TV and, uh, and watching the news and it becomes apparent pretty quickly that there is a battle raging around us in the world. How is it that we have more technology, more knowledge, more uh, access to uh, resources than ever before in human history? Yet, we aren't any wiser than the ancients. We have more than enough food to feed the whole world, yet people still are starving. Uh, why is there still racism? Uh, why do we still have prejudice? Why can't we figure all this out? Why? That's the question we're asking, and, and that's what we're exploring in this series. And if you look a little closer to home, in your own mind and spirit, there often seems to be this spiritual battle going on within our own souls uh, that keeps us from having peace. It, just to be honest for a moment, you can even looking at my own life, how often I, I, I feel this battle raging. There, you know, from the outside, everything looks great. I have a great family, beautiful wife, uh, wonderful kids. I get to, uh, to live in a house rent-free. Uh, I have a great job as a pastor at the First Methodist Church here in Canyon. I get to live in Canyon, and, and I think that's God's country, uh, and, and I get to hang out at Palace Coffee and hang out with people and tell them about Jesus and share faith with people. And, but I wonder, I, I'm blessed beyond measure, but, but how often there are times when my soul is not at peace, when I feel tired, not just physically tired, but, but mentally tired and drained where I doubt myself and I doubt my skills or, or, and, I, and I doubt if, if I can do this job as a pastor. And sometimes I feel like a fraud even when I uh, am here. 
And, and I think to myself, maybe someone else would be better at doing this job than me. Maybe I'm not gifted enough or smart enough or wise enough or bold enough to, to do this thing called being a pastor. And why does it feel like a battle most days just to, to stay faithful to Jesus? And the reason why is because literally it is a battle. There is a war raging on around us, a war for our souls. Uh, and, and that's what we have to understand. But the enemy doesn't want us to know there's a war going on. He wants to camouflage himself so that we cannot see this battle going around, so that we just go through life like everything, it, that this is normal, and it's not normal. We are at war. Uh, and, and so, you know, we would rather say, you know, a lot of times we say we're on a journey of faith, and, and I like that better than being at war. You know, a journey of faith, uh, a journey's an adventure. We like adventure. We don't like to think about ourselves marching to our death. But that's really what we're doing when we live in this world. We are, we are at war every day. And, and so we might not realize it, but even if we don't realize it, it's, it's going on around us. We are at war. And, and the enemy is fighting daily against us, trying to deceive us, to sow lies into our lives and destroy us. And the ancient church used a, a paradigm of images, actually three images. They would call it a, a, almost like an anti-trinity of images to remind us of the reality that we are fighting this war daily. And these em enemies of the soul that try to camouflage themselves uh, are these three, uh, the devil, the flesh, and the world. We're gonna be looking at all three of those uh, over the next four weeks. Today and next week, we're gonna be looking at uh, the devil, the deceiver. And as we look at these, we're gonna also look at how we can fight against these enemies of our soul. And, and looking at the spiritual practices that we can do uh, every day and we should be doing so that we can win this war. And apart from the Bible, I'm using a great book by John Mark Comer. Uh, it's called uh, Live No Lies as kind of the outline of this series. Uh, I would encourage each of you to get that book, John Mark Comer, Live No Lies. And the premise of this book and this series is that there are, again, three enemies of our soul the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, and, and Comer uses kind of this thesis that we're going to use as well uh, that, uh, that kind of it will guide us through this whole series. And it's this. We have deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful society. Deceptive ideas, the devil, that play to disordered desires, the flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society, the world. So I want us to take a look again at our text from Genesis. And I'm going to reread the whole text there. And this is from Genesis 3, uh, 1 through 13. And then we'll kind of reflect on this as we look at uh, the first enemy of the soul, uh, the devil. So here it is, Genesis 3, 1 through 13. Now the serpent uh, was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, or you shall die. But the serpent said to the woman, uh, You will not die, for God knows that when you eat of, your, eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was of delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. 
and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me fruit from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent tricked me, and I ate. It's such a powerful story, and a, and a couple of things I want to make clear from this text. First, uh, when it talks about the serpent, uh, the serpent is the devil. And throughout the Bible, we see different names given to the devil. Uh, the, the evil one, the tempter, the destroyer, the great dragon, the deceiver, the Satan. And you'll notice something about all these names is they're actually not proper names. They're more like titles. So even when we say Satan, you would say the Satan, the one who accuses. That's what it means, the deceiver. Uh, none of them are actually names. Uh, and I believe that the devil is not some sort of abstract thought uh, but he is a real being. And the reason I believe that is because Jesus taught that. Jesus believed the devil was real and, and a created being, and he taught about the devil as well. So I, I want us to, to talk a little bit about who the devil is, and we're not going to go in depth, but just to give a broad outline. He, he's not the opposite of God, but is a created being, created by God, whose original role seems to have been some type of spiritual formation for even humans or for angels, somehow spiritual formation through testing. Um, we know that uh, the devil was high in God's court, but he chose to rebel against God and wanted to take control of the throne of God. And he enlisted many spiritual beings, demons, to take control, control of the world and to try to deceive and destroy humanity and the world. The devil's not a myth. He and his demons are the evil that is behind much of the evil in the world. And I want you to hear that again. I'm going to say it again. The devil is not a myth. He is a created being, created by God. Uh, he and his demons are the evil that is behind much of the evil in the world. And how does the devil work? This is so important for us as we think about uh, this enemy of our soul. Our text gives us some clues. It starts this way. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God made. He said to the woman, Did God say, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? You see what he did there? He, he's trying to sow doubt and deception into Eve. He's trying to get her to engage with conversation. He says, Did God say, Did he really say you shouldn't eat uh, from any of the tree in the garden? He's sneaky. He, uh, and, and when we begin to engage in conversation, then he goes in for the kill. He tells Eve, you know, you won't die. You really won't die if you eat from this fruit. In fact, if you eat of it, you're going to be like God because you're going to know good and evil and you're going to have knowledge. And, and you know, knowledge is important and education is important, so it can't be a bad thing. You want to know things. You, wanna, you don't want to be naive in how you live your life. So this is good, good fruit. It's good to eat all of these 
you'd be so much better off if you ate of it. Uh, and you'll be like God. And Adam and Eve fell for the lie. They were deceived, and the text says, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. I want you to see something. The text says, and this is important, the woman saw that the tree was good for food. That's correct. It was good. It was good for food. It was a delight to the eyes. It was a beautiful tree. That was true as well. And the tree was also able to make you wise. That was also a fact. In fact, it was named the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So all of those things were true. Everything the serpent said was true, except for the fact that God had told them not to eat of it. You know, that's the way the devil works. The best lies are those that are mostly true. They're based on truths, but contain a false statement, or they're only half of the story. We don't typically fall for the blatant lies, like uh, the earth is flat, uh, or that Elvis is still alive and living in a nursing home in Arkansas. We, we typically don't fall for those lies, but we do fall for those deceptions, those half-truths. Deception is, is wrapped in a half-truth, an innuendo that persuades us to follow the whole lie wholeheartedly. This is how the devil works. Too often, though, when we think of the devil, we think uh, of, of Hollywood and horror movies and, and all of these scary images that come to mind, but that is typically not the way the devil works. He works with lies. That's primarily how the devil works. He lies to us. He deceives us. And I want you to hold that in your head. That is the way that the devil gets us uh, to, to follow after him is with lies. He's trying to speak lies against Jesus's truth. And when we look at Jesus and what he taught about uh, the devil, we see in John 8, 44, these words. He's, Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders, the Pharisees of the time, uh, because they had swallowed lies that the devil had given them. And he says this, John 8, 44, you are from your father, the devil, and you choose to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So again, how does the devil work? With lies. Uh, he is speaking lies into your life even now. And these lies are camouflaged as truth. We look at them and we don't realize we're being deceived. As Eve said at the end of the text, the serpent tricked me and I ate. That's the story of humanity. The serpent tricked us and we swallowed the lie, hook, line, and sinker. But there are a couple of traps that I want us to, to caution against when we talk about Satan and, and the devil. Uh, one extreme is that I see people blaming the devil for everything, right? Uh, for silly things. You, you've heard the phrase, the devil made me do it. Well, probably the reality is it was just your own stupidity. Your own stupidity really was the cause of most of our ills. But that's one extreme where there's a devil behind every corner, uh, a demon in every bad thing that happens. 
but the other extreme, the second trap I see is when people fall into the trap of believing that there isn't a devil, that there is no devil uh, or demons. And I love the quote from C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters. Uh, he says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to fulfill an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. He's talking about uh, the demons there. So the, the devil doesn't care if you don't believe in him. He would love for you not to believe in him or if you have an excessive belief in him. He's fine with either one. We have to have a healthy understanding of who, who the devil is. He is a created being who has fallen, whose whole purpose is to deceive and destroy. And we have to live into truth. Uh, so as we finish uh, today, as we kind of wrap up today, I want us to, to think about how do we fight against these lies that the devil sows into our lives? Um, how do we combat this enemy? So I want to give you a couple of weapons in your arsenal to fight the enemy. And we're going to talk more about these next week as well. And every Christian should have these weapons in uh, your arsenal ready for battle every day. Here they are. Quiet prayer and scripture. Now, I'm, I'm sure you were hoping for something even more grand, but those truly are the critical pieces of fighting the devil and his lies. Quiet prayer and scripture. And the reason is this, because the devil is going to sow lies into your heart, into your soul. You're going to think to yourself, I'm not good enough. Uh, I'm a mistake or whatever issue you deal with. The, sev the devil is just going to try to feed those lies into your soul. So you have to combat those lies with the truth of scripture. So when you feel like you're not enough, when you feel like you're a mistake, when you feel like everything you do is wrong, you have to think about the truth. You were created in the image of God. You combat those lies with truth. And the other thing that's so important and we don't do very often is quiet prayer. And because the world is shouting at us constantly, these lies, and we're going to talk about the world later on in this series, but it's when we get quiet that we can begin to hear the truth of God spoken over, in us, over us and to us. We have to learn how to hear the voice of God over all of the lies that are out there. Again, we're going to look at those next week, but I, I want you to begin to meditate on these, these two things and to begin to, uh, here's really your next step. Whatever issue you deal with, whatever lies that you think you're living into, is find scripture that combat those lies and write them out on a card and begin to memorize them so that you can combat the lies of Satan. And, and I invite you back for next week as we look at uh, the deceiver again, as we look at uh, the way Satan works in our lives. And we're going to look specifically how Jesus in the Gospels uh, fought against Satan. But until then, let's, let's bow for a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for uh, your word and your truth. Help us to lean into your truth every day. And for any out there who are living lies, Lord, I, I pray that even now you begin to break strongholds in their lives, that you would begin to help them to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart that beats with your heart. Guide us in your truth, O oh God, but to know your truth, we're going to have to read your word. To know your truth, we're going to have to quiet our hearts and souls and listen for your still, small voice. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness and grace. Continue to guide us in truth each and every day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look forward to seeing you next week, but until then, God bless.